coming to you live from Times Square. This is Ryan Seacrest, and it is New Year's Eve. Thank you so much, Dick Clark. I said Ryan Seacrest, not Dick Clark. Dick Clark is better. That's Dick true. Clark is Ryan Seacrest in, in hiding. Just kidding. I lied to you. I'm not Ryan Seacrest. Because <laughs> everyone I've, really thought that you were American Idol superstar. I bamboozled you all. You've been all been bamboozled. It is I, Gina, one of the hosts of Most Excellent the Podcast. <laughs> Your true crime, paranormal, all things strange and peculiar comedy podcast, and I am joined by my best friend and the other host of this fucking bamboozling podcast. <laughs> she forgot her own her own um, name. That's how bamboozled she is right now. Um, hello, uh, I'm Danielle, and uh, I'm actually in disguise as the other guy who hosts New Year's Eve. What the hell is his name? Cameron Diaz. The guy Cameron, who hosts Cameron Daly. Carson Daly. Carson Daly. Can you stop yelling at me? Cameron Diaz. <laughs> also, it, whoop, okay. It is I, Cameron <laughs> Diaz. Knocking my microphone over. I just want to say, if you guys hear, like, slight noises in the background, um, it's from my window because we moved to a new room. We're in our new podcast room. I'm holding it still so they won't hear it. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're just going to hold that the entire yeah. time. Um, and it's in, we're in Chicago, aka the Windy City, mm-hmm. and it is super fucking windy outside right now and freezing, it's so the outside. window is banging against the wall, but <clears throat> that's what happens. Um, but it's New Year's Eve right now. Mm-hmm. It's New Year's Eve, and we're recording, and uh, we just had a bunch of food down at um, the Pick Me Up Cafe, aka Fall Out Boy's favorite place to eat. <laughs> <Fall> Out <Boys. laughs> the Pete jig Wentz is up. Is, the jig is up. Pete Wentz went to the Pick Me Up Cafe cafe. He went to the cafe. He went to the cafe. He, he went, went to the, the cat ca- cafe. He went to the cat His best friend he went, there went to the cat cafe. I know. One of his best friends, so. <laughs> Pete, come on this bucket. It's me. I'm, I'm the best friend. Who you absolutely there. are not. Do not disrespect me. I wish I owned the fucking cat cafe. I know. Please support, if you're in Chicago, please support yes. the cat cafe in Belmont. You don't Chris even. This is great, guys. Yeah, you don't, like, obviously have to adopt a cat, but you probably will if you go there. It's mm-hmm. like 15 bucks to get in. You get to hang out, have a pop. Chill with the cats. Have a pop, more important. It's a good time. Yeah, why not? Have a have a nice pop. Have a nice pop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just I was just thinking about this morning. What a whirlwind. 2019. 2019. 2019 has been garbage, but not garbage. Garbage, but like garbage lit on fire. But, yeah. like, in a cool way. Garbage you know? on fire with those, like, the little bath bombs that you throw in your fire to make it different colors. <laughs> the bath bombs for your fire? I know <laughs> what you're talking about, you but they're not in. called bath bombs. It's a bath bomb. No, it's not. Yes. Um, but, I mean, 2019 was the year that we started this podcast. It can't be that bad. And this it's... is something Danielle and I had wanted to do forever, mm-hmm. ever since we were wins. And we wins. Ever since we were wins. And we watched Paranormal State, and we were like, we're going to have a ghost show. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. We're going to have, like, a YouTube channel or whatever. And then we finally decided to get off our asses and mm-hmm. start this podcast. And here we sit at this table with our nice soundproofing. <laughs> we, made, we made our own kind of soundproofing equipment. Courtesy it was of DJ Diphtheria. DJ Diphtheria, a.k.a. producer Nick Riss, <laughs> who told us what to do. And I just sat in uh, my room and hot glued foam pieces to mm-hmm. a seventh grade science fair poster board. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're surrounded by right now. But, I mean, I'm not going to speak for Danielle, but I am... Super proud of what we've done so far from us coming from, like, not knowing anything about podcasting mm-hmm. other than listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. We literally DIY'd our pulled, way to the top. pulled everything out of our asses mm-hmm. from day one. And um, 
we've gotten a lot of listeners and a lot of feedback, and we're just so fucking happy about mm-hmm. it that you guys like to listen to us sit and talk and be ourselves, and it makes us so happy. So send us more emails. Mm-hmm. Um, Follow us on Instagram. Instagram. Send us DMs on Instagram. Twitter. We're most excellent. We're not very confrontational, I promise. I, I won't yell I, at you that much. I sound so confrontational, I know that. But... <laughs> The way I yell, I know I. You just so yell through DMs. I just yell through DMs and be like, "I love you, dog." Oh my god! But yeah, we've had. I'm trying to think of like we were maybe gonna do like top ten moments or something or like books. We can or do like top things five like that. Things that we love. We can just year. talk about top things from 20. <laughs> I'm not even gonna do a number because I'm just gonna just confuse myself. Things. Yeah. What are you? Um. Well, there well there any like books or anything? I know for me, I um my favorite murderous book mm-hmm. came out this year. Stay sexy, don't get murdered. Um, and that book was amazing. I highly recommend it. Georgia and Karen did such a good job on it, and it was very heartfelt, and it meant a lot for me, especially with them openly talking about drug and alcohol abuse and what women face every day, mm-hmm. and um, I highly suggest it. So that was definitely in a top five or ten for me. I don't know what we're doing, but that's definitely up there. We could do, like, books, moments, like, whatever. It could be like yeah. Another one, no, this one didn't come out this year, but I read it this year, mm-hmm. and it was um, Michelle McNamara's... Yeah, that was really good. Um, I'll, be I'll, gone be there, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I, couldn't, I was going to say I'll Be There in the Dark. That's I was like, that's, I was I was like, like that makes sense. Amazing book. Um, it has a lot of connection to, to me, Oak to Oak Park. Um, my mom grew up in Oak Park, as we've talked about on our hometown episode, and that's where Michelle McNamara got her start and interest in true crime. And that was quite an amazing book. And she does a really good job with that with not being too, like, gory or anything. Because mm-hmm. obviously when you're talking about murder, it's not easy. And it can get out of hand easily. And she personalizes the victims in a way where it's really good. Like, the first time I read it, I couldn't get into it because I didn't. I listened to it on Audible because I knew I could not, yeah. like, I couldn't read it because I, I just get too, I can't focus. Yeah, I'm just a weirdo. I need to have hard copies. It depends on what it is. Like, when it's true crime true crime When it's books, true crime. When it's the true crime books, I can't, I can't, like, I have to hear it. That's why yeah. I like, listen to podcasts about it. But for the, uh, the first time I listened to it on Audible, I didn't like it. I could not get into it. And I tried. I was like, oh, my God, I just can't. But yeah. um, I learned this trick from this girl on YouTube. I forget her name. I think her name is, like, Chelsea Palmer. And she's a booktuber. Mm-hmm. And she said to speed up your Audible. So I sped up my Audible to 1.25 speed, and mm. that was, like, perfect. 1.25 gigawatts? 1.25 gigawatts. That's what I <laughs> let it up to. And it's good because if I have, like, focusing problems. So yeah. it's good if you, like, have a hard time hearing someone read kind of slow. Like, I couldn't process the information. But then I sped mine up, and I listened to it again. And I was like, oh, I really like this. This there is actually go. really good when you listen to it like this. That's all you need. I love the book. I love the way she personalizes victims and she talks about them as people and, like, what was happening at the time that their parent or, like, whoever was murdered. Like, the daughter. Yeah. The daughter and the mom was like, oh, my God. I can't imagine, like, she fought with her mom and then her mom was killed. That's why I was, like, I just, like, books like that, like, bring me into such existential dread. But at the same time, it's so important Mm -hmm. and, like, to stay aware with everything. Other books. I mean, like, most of the other books we read are more, like, <laughs> fiction and stuff I mean, like that. I just give a shout-out to my queen, Sarah J. Mass. I reread <laughs> for the ninth time A Court of Thorns, a Court of Thorns and Roses series, and I just love it. I just still love it's it. It's very good. I also started Throne of Glass, and I'm on the fourth book right now, and it's leaving my life in ruins, mm-hmm. and that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, but when it comes to witchy stuff this year, um, I've definitely 
brought up the numbers in my crystal collection. Got more crystals. Um, I'm really into selenite and labradorite right mm-hmm. now. So that's a big thing for me. And then with books, um, I do practice, I want to say like, like spells or whatever, mm-hmm. but mostly for like positivity and like I get really bad anxiety. So like working with herbs and crystals mm-hmm. and even like not meditating because I can't really meditate, but um, just getting into that headspace of it or creating something is really helpful helpful to me. So I bought a book this year called, um, it's a book of like a thousand and one spells. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the author right now. I have the book in my room, but we'll, we'll put that on um, Twitter when we post the episode. And it's just like little, um, you know, has a whole bunch of different things in it. Spells for like cleansing your home or for anxiety or luck or jobs or whatever. And you know, that's fine if you don't believe in it or it's like, you know, obviously, like, you have to work hard for what you want, but, like, it's all about affirmations and things like that, and, um, I really liked that book, and, um, yeah, I'm trying to, if, if we think of anything later, we can always mention that, too, but I just, I, I just wanted to talk about things in 2019 that were, like, you know, just brought a little more, uh, brought Joy. a little more excitement um, to I think the day. For me, I'm really, well, I'm, I think I got less into crystals and stuff this year. Like, I was yeah. into it, but I got less, I got rid of some of my collection that didn't. Yeah. And gave them all to me. I gave them all to me. But I got rid of some of my collection that didn't really resonate with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept some stones, but mostly. And that's good to do, because you yeah. don't need, like, oh my, you don't, like, yeah. oh my god, I have, I have more crystals than you. I have mm-hmm. 5,000. It's like, whatever, you know, I've been getting more into, like, I want bigger pieces, yeah. too. You know what? Like, I love, like, Instead the little small, ones I have. Yeah. And they're just as special as the big pieces, but. That as well. I guess we could talk about movies too. Whenever okay. I know one of our one thing. Okay. Yes. No. So for me, I've been more instead of like crystals and stuff like that. I've been more into like manifesting. Mm-hmm. So my favorite YouTuber ever is um, Amy, and her channel is Illuminating Joy. Oh. And man, let me tell you, the woman is a miracle worker of God. <laughs> I love her. God or whoever. Whatever. I need, you to, I need to start watching that. I think you sent me her before. She's great. That's what I've been trying to do too. Because like everyone, it's very easy to get negative, especially yeah. when you're like me and Danielle, and we both have depression, we both mm-hmm. have anxiety. Um, go see a therapist if you can, because that's what we do. Um, you know, we're not doctors or anything, mm-hmm. but like it's always good to. And there are free resources. Too. Oh, oh yeah. Um, what's the the one that they always talk about on? Um, my favorite murder. It's a it's like oh, a free therapist like website. BetterHelp? It's not Find Me a Therapist. Yeah, it's called BetterHelp. Well, better it is, is called BetterHelp. Well, BetterHelp is not free though. No, but it's not as much. I think like. But it's kind of so okay. Love BetterHelp. Bless them. But I want to warn people away from the scam because there's a lot of like they. I know they talk about it, and a lot of podcasts talk about it. Yeah. But it's like really expensive, so it's like two hundred dollars a month. Oh really? And a lot of people have said that they're therapist will cancel on them or like it's their like it's kind of wishy-washy and also to a degree it's good to have a therapist constantly on call yeah but it's also kind of not because you're supposed to take things from therapy or from groups and work on them yourself yourself. yeah so i think it could be a good addition if you have the money but i know that a lot of the podcasts say like oh it's great for if you it's a lower cost it's this and it is to a degree but even for me i don't have 200 dollars yeah to be giving someone but I think it's, like, if you have the money, like, cool. It's, like, a great addition. But, like... Right. Or it's, like, if you don't have time to, like, go to an office yeah. and, like, sit down. Like, that's fine. But, yeah. Because, I mean, I've never used it. I have, thankfully, yeah. I am very lucky. And I have had a therapist um, who I've had for almost three years now. Mm-hmm. And um, she's close to me. And 
you know, I have my schedule appointments mm-hmm. and that's like easy to go back and forth on. But yeah, mental health is very important. So be careful. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like along with that, like it's, it's okay to like, you know, find new ways to kind of figure out what helps you mm-hmm. and what, because you know, not everyone likes to work out. Not everyone yeah. can meditate. I personally cannot meditate. Mm-hmm. I have tried meditating so many fucking times. Mm-hmm. Can't fucking do it. I'd rather read a book or go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> general philosophy not life is deal with I'd it, rather read a book or try go not to sleep. Do. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that's something interesting. And especially with like, cause, um, with tarot, mm-hmm. I love tarot cards. Um, my mom has been working with tarot cards since I was younger and she taught me how to do it. And I'm very close with all my ducks. I love my mm-hmm. ducks. Um, but I've been trying not to do them as much because then I get into a headspace of, even though I know when I do it, it's like, oh, this isn't going to be exact, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't follow it like that. It's very easy to get obsessive. Yeah but I I'll just do it more for like a positive affirmation now like if I'm just having a shitty day I'll take a deck out maybe just do like a three card Mm -hmm. reading you know just write some stuff down maybe okay this is what I can work on or get a new perspective on something rather than like not that I've ever just like put everything I've had into a tarot Mm -hmm. reading like what's gonna happen but like I've been trying not to Count on um, it so much. Count on it as much, definitely, even though I love my cards and I love my David Bowie tarot deck. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say with with movies this year, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, oh. so good. Highly recommend. Um, what else did we see this year? I didn't get to see, like, any of the scary movies in theaters. I mean, what, scary, I stories, scary stories Cell in the dark was fine. More of a period piece. Yes. It's fine. Cute. The scary movies here kind of suck, to be honest. I don't think anything good came out this year. The Chucking Wee was fine. It was right. Good. It was great. Like, I liked it. It was cool. I didn't get to see Midsummer, but I heard that was really good. Yeah, I'm so pissed I, can't, I couldn't see that. Um, well, I mean, I could have. I just didn't go. Um, there was another one. Did Hereditary come out this year or last year? Last no, that was year. last year. It was 2018. Bunch of good movies, though. And I'm trying to think of what I've seen that I like. With shows, I want to say uh, the second season of Mindhunter came out, mm-hmm. and it was so good. I love Mindhunter. I, I love, I just, it's so depressing. <laughs> I can't get <laughs> into so it because good. I just, I don't know, I just can't get into it. Like, I got through three episodes maybe, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, right. I tried so hard. I Maybe I have to try again. It's just, it's one of those that you just have to, like, sit there and concentrate on. Like, yeah. you can't be half on your phone when you're watching. Because yeah. if you miss five seconds, then you've missed, like, it's the entire episode. Um, so, yeah. I guess, yeah, those are, like, main recommendations or, or favorites mm-hmm. of... 2019 and if we think of fucking more then we can talk about it because it's our podcast and we can do whatever we want oh it's true favorite moments of 2019 mm. supernatural con <laughs> <laughs> yes going to canada con. i went to canada to supernatural con and i i loved it and my my favorite moment of this entire this entire year is just like supernatural all supernatural there you go <laughs> not even starting this podcast not just start, supernatural not con. even start, just going to con twice <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I love my, it. My whole my, my whole story this week was inspired by Supernatural. So like I I can't not give it credit. That's you know? amazing. That's you true. Know what I, mean? I feel like this so year went by so fast. I, I feel know. like it was January and then now it's January. No, now it's December. <laughs> it's January, we have one day left. And now it's January. We have hours left of twenty nineteen. But yeah. That's you so know, weird. This year has been a, a, yeah. disgusting, but also really nice. But also a birth of something beautiful and creative. And in 2020, I'm gonna this podcast Gatsby. is going above and beyond. 
People are going to be like, who's punching someone in the background? It's literally just, just like clapping my hands. We're going to have, I know we say this all the time, but we're going to have more guests Mm -hmm. and it's going to be such a good time. We have so many more things to talk about. Um, just relating to us in general and Chicago because we mm-hmm. love the city and that's what this podcast is based on. This city. We built this city. city. I'm singing oh, that- Patrick Stump and you're singing We Built the City. Okay. That too. I mean, it's all about the same thing, right? I'm They're both sure. about Chicago. I love you, Chicago. Yeah. We're going to get sued. This? <laughs> Pete Wentz is going to call us okay, and be like, listen, get Pete the No, Pete Wentz is going to call us and be like, I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> Oh, Pete. I bet. All I want is Pete Wentz to be on this podcast. And then I'll quit. Then I'll never He's going to listen to this and be like, all these people talk about is having me on their fucking podcast. Can I get <laughs> gonna, their shit together? He's going to, like, come on this podcast shit. just to do it. He's going to be like, all right, if you oh stop talking shit about me, I will come on your podcast. We just talk shit about everyone on here. I never talk shit about Pete Wentz in this podcast. Um. So, yeah. So, for our stories this week, even though Danielle went first last time, I'm going to have her go first because mm-hmm. my story this week is... Um, it's very interesting, but it's very sad, and there's a lot of trigger warnings in it. So I want to leave that for last because I don't want us going into this. We're gonna leave 2019 on a sad note, and that's how I wanted to go. Oh, that's how I want to go out with that's the bang. That's how we started. That's how we're gonna end. Yep. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much, Nina. We're gonna start. I did hear about like, but tell me about the spirits of Christmas past. <laughs> Because it is still December, so All right, Ebenezer. the epiphany hasn't happened All yet. All right, Ebenezer. Stragonona has not made her appearance yet. Yet. Okay, so I, of course, in what I usually do, was watching Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And what do they say on Supernatural? And my favorite episode of Supernatural, uh, season five, episode two, uh, they were talking about Jesus is telling, Jesus is telling Cass. Oh my Who's God. Je- Jesus is in there. Instead of Dean, I said Jesus. <laughs> Same thing to me. Um, so Dean is telling Cass, like, oh, you're not going to find God. And he goes, like, he says, try, he's like, I'm going to find God. And he goes, try New Mexico. Me every day. I'm going to try to find God. So he goes, try New Mexico. I, I hear he's on a tortilla. So I was like, <laughs> sis. So I started like looking stuff up in relation to the tortilla that had Jesus' face on it. Yes. So that's how I, that's how I ended up getting my main story. I found it from there. But I also looked at the story about the people who found Jesus' face on a tortilla. Oh, my God. So it's a, it's a good time. It's a really good story. I like it. And so basically I was reading this whole article about how the mom was making tortillas for breakfast one morning. Mm-hmm. And so she's making them and she's working. She's working the dough. She puts it on. And so she carefully, like, lays them out. And so she's cooking the tortillas, blah, blah, blah. Everything's going on. And then so she gets to the third tortilla. And, of course, she sees a little burn mark on it and so the burn mark looks like the face of jesus Ah, and so his mom said she felt like chills throughout her body and she felt like strange she said quote strange happy and with fear is how she felt and so she wanted to keep the tortilla she was Mm -hmm. like the lord is guiding me she's like we're gonna put this in a nice ziploc bag we're gonna put this in a nice (laughs) ziploc and so she had this like blessed by a priest and then the priest tells everyone about this face on the tortilla. And then so hundreds of people go to see it. And so it, he said, like, the, it's, it's a guy writing the story. And he said that it's called Christ on the Comal by Angelico Rubio from Eater.com. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, their son who he wasn't born when this happened. 
and he's basically talking about like this experience and how like people grew up making fun of him for this and all this stuff. And so he was basically talking about how like they saved this and his mom at the time was struggling with depression and his father was battling alcoholism and how this kind of turned their life around. Mm -hmm. And so this tortilla was kind of their sign that things are going to get better and so for them, it, like, did. Like, yeah. it, like this made their life better. Like, people started coming to the house and, like, all this stuff. And so that's the, that was originally what I was going to do, but there wasn't enough of a story. Right. So I just want to talk about it. It's like a start. It's a start. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting because I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And I think, it, like, he was talking about how people kind of made fun of him and were like, oh, you're that kid with blah, blah, blah. You're the kid with the tortilla. Your kid with the fa- your family is the tortilla family with <laughs> Jesus Tortilla. Which, to me... I'm going to name my son Jesus Tortilla. You're not going to do that. I won't no, let you. not. I will not let my godchild suffer this injustice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did it based on... I, was, I started with that story, mm-hmm. and then from that story, I found this story. Yes. So we're talking... This like My theme this week is about like apparitions. Mm, my so favorite. So this is the apparition of Mary at, uh, Zaytun, at in Zaytun, Egypt. Ooh. So April 2nd, 1968... At the Zaytun Virgin Mary Coptic Orthodox Church, which is just outside of Cairo, Egypt. Okay. Okay. So this is about a Marian apparition, which if you're not Catholic, Marian apparitions are when Mary will appear to certain people and it's her astral Mm -hmm. body or people like she visits people. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit on our um, episode about the Our Lady of Angels Mm -hmm. fire. Yeah. Where um, Mary has appeared at a cemetery near us in Chicago called a Queen of Heaven mm-hmm. Cemetery. So that's kind of, like, part of it. And then, like, that part is, like, just so interesting to me because it's, like, if you see a ghost, it's, like, like it's scary, like, whatever. But I feel like if you see, like, a holy figure, like, I don't know what I would do. I, would I think I would just start crying and then maybe, like, peeing myself. Like, I, I would just know. pee myself simultaneously <laughs> while I cried. <laughs> and then Mary, Mary's, like, like this is too much for me. I gotta go by. And then, like, she just shoots you a peace like, sign and yeah. she, like, fades away. She's, like, being a little after. She's, like, the guy. <laughs> She's, like, the <laughs> like, guy. The, the meme, meme who fades. The guy who just, like, fades away. That's her. That's her. So, All right, now that we've compared Mother Mary <laughs> to the Now that we're going straight to Satan's lair. Now we're going straight into Satan's We're already in Satan's lair in my house. Amen. Okay, so it's the night of April 2nd, 1968, and so this bus mechanic named Farouk Atma, okay. I think is how it's pronounced. His name is Farouk. Farouk Bulsar. Bo- Bo- like Freddie. You best believe. It was actually Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Freddie Mercury was a bus mechanic. I mean, he did work at like Heathrow, so maybe he was like, no. This wasn't him. He was not in Egypt in 1968. I'm no. like, yeah. So this bus mechanic named Farouk, he is working by the St. Mary Coptic Church, which originally I think it's called St. Mark's, and after this happens, they change it to okay. St. Mary. And so it's like a suburb of Cairo, how I understand it. And so it's in the suburb of Cairo. So if you're Christian, you know that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they fled to Egypt, mm-hmm. Egypt to escape King Herod who at the time the magi opened their little mouths and they were being little snitches and they go to him and they're like yo that christ child he gonna be special and herod was like not in this house so he naturally called for a slaughter of all the children i wish this is how religion would have been explained to me in high school i wish you could have been the fucking theology teacher at our catholic high school i was a theology teacher at a catholic high school i wish so they for people who don't know they fled to egypt for safety so Mm -hmm. that 
Jesus wouldn't get killed because right. Herod was like, I cannot have this child out here with these special powers. I cannot. Mm-hmm. So he killed all these children. Literally the plot of Matilda. <laughs> it's actually it was Danny, Danny DeVito. Danny was like, I cannot I have cannot. this child with special powers. So he basically canceled all the children. He digs up the dirt on them and he... He said he canceled all the children. <laughs> he started a gossip YouTube channel and he ended all of their careers and mm-hmm. their lives too. We're going to get so much hate mail for this episode. <laughs> so... Essentially, what happens is an angel comes to Joseph and tells him, like, yo, you got to go to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So Joseph picks up his little family and he takes the rest to Egypt. Right. So this is supposedly why Mary appears here is because that church, where the church is, is supposedly the spot where they fled to and stayed. Okay. Okay. So Farouk sees a young woman on the roof of this church. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's a huge cathedral and there's... Is it, like, domed? Yeah, there's domes. So he's like, first of all, how did you get up there? Who's up there? (laughs) Second of all, he notices her on the roof, and everyone's kind of concerned because they think that a woman's about to commit suicide, like she's going to jump off. Yeah. And so, Farouk, like, gives a ringy ding to He's the like, 911. He calls, like, 911. And he says, there's a weed, and the police come. So the police come. <laughs> no, it's just a crayon. <laughs> it's just a crayon. So the police are called, and they state that, oh, it's just the streetlights, how they're looking, because they see this, like, spectral figure up there, and they're mm-hmm. thinking this is real, so the police are just saying, this is just streetlights. So the police are seeing it, too. They're, like, looking. Yeah, they're seeing okay. something. So they're saying that um, it's just reflections from the police light, or from the streetlights, and, like, get out of here. Because there's mm-hmm. a crowd is gathering at this point, okay. either, like, someone's about to eat off the like, roof, what the fuck is going what's on? going on, and so people are looking and gathering, and... So they're telling the crowd, like, y'all got to go. Mm-hmm. Come on. So they all basically stay, though, and they're looking at this, like, ghostly figure that's there, and they're all just kind of watching it until it eventually just, like, fades away after a few minutes. And so supposedly everyone is, like, spreading this news now. They're like, we saw this lady, and so everyone kind of makes a connection of, like, it looks like Mary. Yeah. Okay? So... They see it, and everything, everyone's like, oh, my God, it was Mary, and they think, like, oh, this is over. Like, end of story. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We saw this. So now, April 9th of 1968, exactly one week later, she appears again. So they see her on the roof, and, like, these are, okay. So this story is kind of hard because these pictures are from 1968, and everything mm. looks really doctored. Yeah. Okay, everything looks super fake, but also I'm trying to bear in mind the fact that, like, it is 1968. No one has a colored camera. No one is carrying around a camera all the time. But supposedly there was news footage of this and, like, all of this. But I didn't see. I couldn't find where the news footage was. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of sources and everything. But it all is saying, like, oh, this really happened. But then there are Right. Because it's, like, so much stuff from, the, like, the 60s and 70s, exactly. too. Because there's, like, not a lot of information we're trying to hold the window closed so it's not banging against the wall so these are the supposed pictures from it okay oh she got a halo i can see your halo it's actually just halo so you can see like she looks like looks like she's praying yeah ghostly that's another thing there's like she looks like she appears in different sort of ways yeah so she looks like she's praying and all of this so anyway they supposedly just, like, see, like, she comes back a yeah. week later and they see this. And She's like, like, oh, my God. I'm back. Yeah. She just, Naruto runs onto the roof <laughs> and beats herself off. So she appears almost weekly until 1971. So from 1968 to 1971, she appears on an almost weekly basis. And she appears in a variety of ways for about, from lasting from 15 minutes to eight hours. 
okay? So they see her as this flock of white doves, okay? So they see her, like, I'm going to post a picture oh, wow. on her Instagram. When you first showed me that, I literally thought it was, like, UFOs. It, it, it is. <laughs> what is that? So it, she appears as this flock of white doves, and people say that they're not, it doesn't appear like they're flying. Mm-hmm. It just looks like straight balls of light. Okay. okay. So she appears with a halo around her head, and it will kind of, so you'll see her with this halo, and people said they saw her fade away into just balls of light. Okay. And what then, I want to do every day, ex- but can't. Exactly. So <laughs> she's walking, they see her walking around the roof and the domes of the church. They see her kneel in front of the cross, like there's a cross there. Mm-hmm. And so they see her kneel in front of the cross, and there's like billowing clouds of like what they smell to be incense. Ooh, okay. Boy, which that chills all over my body. Which this happens if you if you guys believe this. This happens supposedly you smell incense or, or fragrant oil. Yeah. Or roses when saintly apparitions happen. Yes. Okay. So they see this kind of like bright cloud around her mm-hmm. and it's kind of they see what they describe as like a shower of diamonds. They seen like glowing red clouds around her. And this is kind of, like, creepy to me, is they see her waving her hands and kind of nodding her head. Wow. Which, like, that freaks oh, me dude, out. Dude, I have chills all over it's, my body right so now. It's so weird. So, there's reports. Because my mom has, sorry to interrupt. My mom has, um, we have to fucking find them, because I don't know. My mom has a picture book mm-hmm. that her friend Kathy brought back with her from Ireland. And there's a spot in Ireland where, I have to look it up or call my mom, where an apparition of Mary appears, and I don't know if this is Kathy's picture or just, like, a picture someone else mm-hmm. said, but they made a picture book with it, and they put, it literally is, like, this long um, form of light over this no. cross, and it looks no. like Mary, and then she's, like, holding Jesus, mm-hmm. like, in the cemetery in Ireland, and my mom has the picture, I get, we gotta and it's this. in storage somewhere, <laughs> and you, like, it is literally, this. I remember, like, looking at it when I was little, and, like, going through it, and just being, like, holy shit, like... It's amazing. I have to figure out what cemetery it is. We'll, we gotta find that. We'll, we'll do that on housekeeping on that. in the next episode. Yeah. So there are reports of her actually like holding out like an olive branch. Like okay. they see her holding out like an olive branch and it's weird. So she appears, what they said is like sorrowful but kind, mm-hmm. which Me. if you're Catholic, that too. And so if you're Catholic, you'll know that a lot of kind of, a lot of the images of Mary mm-hmm. are these images of sorrow because yeah. she watched her son suffer. So all the statues in Italy. All the statues in Italy are basically her suffering. Right. So she appears kind of the same way when she's seen. So reportedly there's like thousands to like millions of people who are flocking to this cathedral to see this. And so all around the world and different different religions are going to observe this phenomenon. And apparently everyone has seen this happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of people who claim this happened. Thousands of there's pictures of crowds. Right. Like so people went and saw this. Yeah. But all of the footage that you find on YouTube, you don't really see anything. Like right. it's kind of hard. Like but this is one of those things or where like I'm maybe like, it's like it's not like showing up on camera or yeah. something like only people who are there can see it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. It's because I watched like there's like twelve minutes. Because it's like footage, how can but... it be like I'm, I know like hysteria can start easily with like large groups of people mm-hmm. believing in something, but also I feel like if it's that many people and it started with even like the police seeing something, like I don't like that's just kind of like unexplainable to me. That's what it seems like to me, but I don't know. So yeah. this causes a revival to happen in Christianity. There's lots of conversions after this, and there's supposed miracles from people who want to see this. Mm. So there's people who regain sight, 
And all of this is supposedly, this is why I say supposedly, yeah. is because a lot of these articles were church-based. Mm. So I didn't want to be like, um, because it's 100% They're true. like, look at us, we got Mary look on the roof. Well, that's the thing. But I think that the way this is documented and the way this... Saint on a hot tin roof. No. <laughs> Sorry. Do not disrespect her. <laughs> so they, the way that they talk about it, it seems like, yeah, this is an actual event that happened. And, mm-hmm. like, the way it's documented, like, I'm going to take it as fact. But they said this was supposedly all these miracles are verified by doctors, and this actually happened, but I guess. Me, I'm a doctor, you can I'm trust doctor. me. Well, they're saying, like, the miracles and sort of regaining sight. Okay. So supposedly Farouk, who was the first to see her, was supposed to have an operation for gangrene, mm-hmm. and he went to the hospital for his operation and found himself completely healed. Wow. Okay, but do you remember the gangrene gang from Powerpuff Girls? Absolutely. We're not going to talk about them right now. This is God's That's all time. I can think of. People think we're so Christian on this podcast. I'm talking about like this is God's. Time. No, but I mean it's like, I mean it's just so interesting. Like, cause for me personally, like, I mean I was raised mm-hmm. Catholic. I don't really consider myself Catholic anymore. Mm-hmm. I do believe in God. I I I love Jesus. Um, you know I do practice pagan beliefs as well. I mm-hmm. guess I'm just a whole bunch of things. But like this stuff for me, like. Maybe it's because I'm very nostalgic, and it was mm-hmm. a big part of my childhood, but I, like, want to believe it. I want to believe, mm-hmm. you know, she's up there, and then she was in Queen of Heaven, and that she yeah. was in the cemetery in Ireland. Like, I think that's amazing. And, like, I believe in miracles, personally, because mm-hmm. I – with the things that I've had happen in my life. So it's, like, to me, like, I believe that can be a thing. It's, mm-hmm. like, why not, you know? Why can't it be? And, right. and too, like, my disclaimer with this is that I think that this could have hap- – this can happen with any faith, where it's, like – you see apparition, apparitions of someone who is sacred to you. Is someone mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? And this can happen like across the board. Yeah, I believe in that. I think that this can happen across the board. That people can witness things that like are the unseen. Maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's this. Like whatever it is. But like I think I believe in a lot of encounters with the unknown. Like yeah. I like that. I like the fact that there are encounters like this, even if it's like even if it's not a hundred percent true. Right. Or we don't know all the facts about it. I like to talk about the fact that like people supposedly seen this like mm-hmm. this happens to people yeah i like the fact that there is things that happen that are outside of explanation that's yeah. what i like about the story so anyway um in order of nuns basically sends a report this is around so this happened in april 2nd so okay. around May- i'm sorry you said this was in 1968 1968 and where this is in zaytun egypt egypt okay so it's happening in egypt which there there it's they practice coptic christianity Okay. Which Orthodox. It's kind of like an offshoot. Not yeah. an offshoot, but it's different. Yeah. Like so Greek Orthodox. Or, yeah. yeah like exactly. That. So the papal residence sends, invest, like they send out a group to investigate this. And so it's investigated by the head of the Coptic church and declared to be authentic. Like this is supposedly supposed to be an yeah. authentic miracle. Yeah. They declare it to be. So the Sacre Coel. Order of Nuns wow. also sends a report to the Vatican to validate what they seen. Okay. They went, they visited, so they seen it. Who's the Pope at this time? Do you know? I have no idea. To look at the I know who the I know who the. I'll look, look it up. up. I'll look it up. I know who the Pope of the Coptic Church was. So the Vatican investigators go and they confirm that all of this, like all these witnesses, said the exact same thing about what they witnessed. That everyone has like identical accounts of what was seen. And so the Egyptian government also investigated and reported that the president witnessed the apparition. So the, the president in sorry, the Pope in 1968 was Pope Paul VI. Okay. Um, yeah, 68 he was issued, and uh, wow, yeah, because he had been it. 
it was a process that had been initiated by Pius. I don't know what that I can't read fucking Roman numerals. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know who that is. I think the 12th. Anyway, yeah, so that that was him. That was the homeboy. That was the homeboy at the time. The sixth. So he sends out, like, a Vatican envoy to go and investigate this, but eventually he kind of defers to the Coptic church and Mm -hmm. is basically like, this happened in your church. Like, you have to be the one to declare it authentic, okay? So they do. Okay. So the president of Egypt at the time is President Gamal Abdel Nasser, and so the Egyptian police go, so he's supposedly witnessed the apparition, the Egyptian police investigate, and they can't find any man-made explanation for the lights or for mm. the apparitions. So the head of the Coptic Orthodox Church of Alexandria at the time is Pope Kyrillos VI of Alexandria. V-I-6. Okay. V-I. Yeah, that's six. six. Yeah. <laughs> I told you. I was I'm like, like, I'm like, oh. dumb. No, so, I'm not dumb. I just, I have like number... Roman numeral dyslexia. Where yeah. like, the fuck is that? Okay, people say that dy- like, like dyslexia is real is not real with numbers. Oh wait, so you can't be dyslexic numbers. Okay, but yeah, it's it's not called dyslexia though. It's called something else. Oh, okay, I forgot. Because I was thinking, called. I was like, no, no I, I have my I friend. Have really uh, bad problems with that. No, I have a friend who has that problem with Me numbers. Too. Okay, and he thought he was like just stupid for the longest Me. time. I'm like, no, you're not dumb. It's like a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well now I feel better. Sorry, it says um I'm just like looking at stuff about him. Um, and it says in 1967, he visited the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal on the 50th anniversary of the apparitions there. What? So he was visiting all the apparitions. So he's got it all on. He was like, he's check this out. Him. Oh, there was an attempted assassination on him too. We'll do that later. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's another, Continue. Another case. another case. He'll be done later. Yes. That's the assassination story. <laughs> so the head of the Coptic church is Pope Kyrillos and he declares it to be real mm-hmm. and so they public the egyptian government public ex- publicly accepts this and so there are several church doctors so actual doctors when examined this and they accepted the apparition too okay so it was approved by the coptic church in egypt and the roman catholic church after investigators went there so the apparitions continued throughout the years but they ended in 1971 officially like they didn't happen anymore okay and so well, now let's talk about let's get into theories. Yeah. So they taught. So you would think maybe the church. Obviously, the church always has some motive behind right. them. Okay. So the church, at the or you would think the government or the church or someone is like, oh, we're gonna do a separation. It's gonna, it's gonna help us. It's gonna do whatever. Yeah. So supposedly at this time the government had no reason to try to stage something like this because the president was actually trying to create a socialist republic of all the Arab countries at the time. Okay. So there was, like, in the main religion was not Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's predominantly Muslim. Yeah. So there were, like, if you are trying to unite everyone, you're not trying to reunite everyone with some publicity stunt for Christianity. Like, right. that wouldn't be what your what the goal is here. Unless it is. Um, maybe. <laughs> Honestly. So Mary is important to Muslims, but she's not in, as important as she is to Catholics. Yeah. So... There's no kind of government motive for, like, staging this whole thing. Like, ooh, we're going to stage this. Right. Like, if you were going to stage something, it wouldn't be married. Right. Supposedly. So that was one theory that was put forth by the articles I read was, like, well, the government didn't sit there and try to stage this for their own reasons. Right. So. Also, how could you possibly stage that in the 60s? And I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm in like, 1968, how the hell? 
Now with projectors, 100%, you could do right. that. Right. Do they have her on, like, a wire? Like, what <laughs> do they just, like, put this light, like, they put LED lights all over this lady. Right. And they were like, here you go. And they yeeted her into the sky. Right. That's, so I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> no. So they apparently investigated the windows, and the windows apparently don't open on the dome. So there's okay. no way for anyone to really get up there. Right. And so. But she's like Chris Angel. She just, like, flew down <laughs> she, yeah, When he flew on the top of, like, the pyramid No, literally. Thing. What is that pyramid hotel called? The Luxor? The, the Luxor, yeah. The fact that we know that. Wow. Listen, when you've watched as much Chris Angel Mind Freak as we have, <laughs> I swear to God. you would know. So there's several credible sources that I read that say, like, oh, everything is, is peachy keen and, like, right. this really happened, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I wanted to get into theories of, like, what this could be. <laughs> So, there's a suggestion that, like, this is just mass hysteria. Yeah. So, everyone, like, seen this light. It was a light reflection from a lamp, and everyone just was like... I'm sorry, a lamp on the roof of the building? I guess. I think they said that, like, that maybe one person sees this, they spread it on to another, everyone starts to mm-hmm. get see this collective vision, which I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, it has happened. It has happened. So, it's a suggestive influence of one person says like this is exactly what i've seen everyone goes there sees something mm-hmm. and they project this out into the universe where they're like we see this collection of lights that are coming off of a street light and like this is for sure what it is it could be this like you know what i mean yeah but at the same time for three years right like no one figured out what happened after three years right. you know what i mean and everyone's still like gathering there everyone's no still like, gag, looking like oh right. okay so Supposedly, everyone was like, this is just like a mass hysteria vision. And I was like, oh, I don't know, sis. All right. But then there's also the idea that this was earthquake lights. So it's like hmm. a certain kind of phenomenon that is basically these kind of ions rise up from the ground. And they create some sort of light phenomenon, which earthquake lights are a real thing. Okay. But there's not a constant earthquake happening for three years. So I don't... <laughs> and like randomly on the top of a church. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I don't think it's that. And so there's another phenomenon that I looked up called per- pareidolia. And so it's basically this illusion that causes you, like, to basically see something like this vague, obscure sort of image. And you see it, like, you see something clearly in it. Mm-hmm. So our minds want, like, our minds tend to recognize faces and they want to recognize patterns and faces. Yeah. So we see something and we automatically want to identify it as something right. if we can't kind of make out a shape. Yeah. So humans want to be able to see things that look like themselves and they transfer that ability to an object. So maybe this is we're seeing this weird phenomenon of lights and it's actually like spotlights or street lights or something and we're turning it into something. Yeah. Okay. So this also that's the idea of pareidolia comes from they equate it with the tortilla story mm-hmm. or like when people see Jesus on like grilled cheese or yeah. this or whatever. It's that humans want so bad to see something out of nothing that the, like our minds are like, yes, yeah. absolutely 100%. That is our Lord and Savior Christ. So, <laughs> um, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's that we see some kind of effect happening and we're transferring it into this thing and the whole thing gets blown up. Okay. Yeah. And so, also, I think having faith is kind of as to that illusion. Like, if that's mm-hmm. what it is. When you have faith behind something, you're like, oh, I'm seeking that thing out. This yeah. is a sign. Like, like in the tortilla story, this is a sign from God that yeah. blah, 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 blah. I'm miraculously healed. I'm miraculously healed. It could be, which I think maybe. Right. And it's like you never know about, like, even with 
um, St. Bernadette of Lourdes or Padre Pio mm-hmm. and you have all this stuff. It's like these people were healed and this is a holy place in this specific spot because it's like, you know, what are you, you going to say? Like, you're not a doctor. You mm-hmm. know, you can be like, no, like that didn't happen. You didn't have this experience. You don't know what you're talking about. That's what I think, too, is that your mind is so powerful to a degree that maybe people do miraculously hear themselves maybe mm-hmm. the space is this maybe you go into the space and it gives you the power to your mind over matter like i don't know mm-hmm. and i'm not going to tell people that you didn't see this and this is not really what happened and this is all just you like the tortilla story the guy getting made fun of like as he, when he was a kid he got made fun of so badly because his parents believed this and i was like okay but who are you to say that that didn't happen right like who are you to say that that's not hit like you know what i mean so, photos kind of do look doctored for this case, okay? The footage availability is kind of just trash. Right, with anything from the 60s. With anything yeah. from the 60s, yeah. So, credibility is hard in this case. It's 1968. There's not a lot of cameras around. People are not just pulling out cameras left and right, right. like we are. We have a camera in our pocket. Yeah. So, supposedly there is TV footage, but I didn't see, like, I and couldn't it, find yeah. it. But then also, why would there be 1968 footage? Right. I don't know. So, in 2016, actually, the church was unfortunately bombed, and it was it killed 25 people, and it injured 49 people, and so ISIS didn't take responsibility for it, but there was supposed, like, proclamations of them taking responsibility for it, or people being like, I'm happy, or, like, ISIS members being like, I'm happy that this church was bombed or whatever. Yeah. So, I think that it's being rebuilt, or it's, like, still there partially, but it was bombed in 2016, because it is kind of the... Like, it's a sacred place for, obviously, what happened there. So it's a sacred place for Coptic Christians and everything. So you go there and it's like, okay, so I guess that it was bombed as a sort of, um, not a way, what does that mean? Like, I mean, it was like defacing it or demeaning it, kind of just being like a warning, like, y'all. I know what what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So it was bombed in 2016. And supposedly to this day, there's still like apparition sightings wow. near there i've never heard of that i haven't either but really this is the most documented credible marian apparition right because i've heard of stuff around like the u.s and then mm-hmm. maybe you know like europe and like you know lords and france and all that stuff i've never heard of this one i love this one i like this and i think i like this because it doesn't matter like what your faith is or if you have no faith at all right i think that things like this that can't be explained are like really cool and just kind of like it's a shock to reality of, like, what we perceive as being reality. And that's why yeah. I like it. Where it's just, like, this is unexplainable. People can't explain why it's this It's the happened. unknown. It's the right. unknown. I love that that happens out there. And there yeah. are actually still events that happen where we can't explain it. Right. And that's kind of the fun of it. Where it's, like, you don't have to be any sort of religion. You don't have to believe this is Mary. You, right. I, like, to me, I was, like, looking at it. I was, like, this could be UFO lights. Right. Like, this could literally know. This be could an be alien, alien. Within, our, within our midst. So, yeah. But that was the story of it. And uh, I really liked doing that story. I thought it was really cool. It's really, there, and there's, like, so much stuff out there about, like, apparitions and mm-hmm. things like that and, like, that I want to talk about in the future, too, that are just so interesting, especially ones in Chicago, too, yeah. that have happened. So we'll definitely get into more of those. But um, mine is not apparitions or has to do with religions, and it's just really it's fucking just depressing. <laughs> um But I wanted to talk about this because last year, December 2018, was the 30th anniversary of this happening, and I would like to, well, I won't like to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it, the um, unsolved murder of Venus Extravaganza. So 
The sources I used for this were um, Rebel Circus, and that was it's a blog called Who Killed Venus, the Unsolved Murder of Venus Extravaganza, and that was by Laura Kelly. I used Days Digital, um, The Legacy of Venus Extravaganza. I used Wikipedia, of course, go donate. Mm-hmm. I used uh, Medium.com, Justice for Venus, Venus Extravaganza, and that was by Jeffrey J. Iovanon. And then there was a Vanity Fair article about um, Paris's burning, which this is, which she was a part of the documentary, um, and it's called Paris's Burning is Back. And so is its baggage, and that is by Kay Austin Collins. And of course, I used the Paris is Burning documentary by Jenny Livingston. It is on Netflix if you have it. I highly suggest that you go watch it. And then I used um, Time.com, um, and that is an article called um, an article about trans women being murdered in Dallas, and that was by Gina Martinez and Tara Law. And I also used the website um, for the Human Rights Campaign. Okay, so. Go donate there, too. <laughs> yes. Let's get into it. So I want to talk about her early life and background first. So the, um, in 2018, it, I said it, it was the 30th anniversary and death of the drag performer and trans woman Venus Extravaganza. So Venus was born May 22nd, 1965 in Jersey City to Italian Puerto Rican parents, and Ooh, she yeah. had four brothers. So her dead name, or her birth name, what she was born as, was Thomas Pelagatti. And so Venus began cross-dressing and performing between the ages of 13 and 14. So between the years of, like, 1978, 79. Mm -hmm. So she started out really young. Neat. Okay. And, like, most people who cross-dress or were coming out as trans at the time, the 70s, (laughs) you know, like, there wasn't a lot of acceptance for that Mm -hmm. at this time. And her parents had caught on to what she was doing, so she moved to New York City because she said she didn't want to embarrass them, and she wanted to be able to perform freely as a trans woman and as a drag performer. So why she wanted to perform is because the ball scene and voguing in New York at this time was extremely important to the queer community, to Mm -hmm. the LGBTQ community. Because it was where they felt most accepted. And this is what you did. You were known for doing these performances and walking at these balls. Mm -hmm. Um, And Paris is Burning talks about it a lot and goes really well into it. So I'm going to talk about that. So Venus Extravaganza was a well-known drag performer who won countless competitions in the Harlem ball scene in the late 80s. So... She took the surname Extravaganza in 1983 because she was accepted into the house of Extravaganza. So okay. you had different houses. So you had, um, let's say, House of St. Laurent, House of, um, like, Pepper Labeja mm-hmm. was the main one. She kind of, like, started the whole scene. So there was House of Labeja. There are all these different houses. So Venus was part of House of Extravaganza. Okay. And that was, like, her little family, like, where she felt most accepted. And these are were they, were they what performed together or was yeah, it just so like they a all, little troop? Yeah, so they were like a little troop and they would like um, perform at these balls together. Okay, okay. And okay. they're like different like themes for them and that, but like I'll get into all that because there's there's a lot that goes into it. So um, so this is extravaganza was one of the many houses consisting of predominantly transgender and gay youth associated with the 1980s ball culture scene. 
So her ball career began in 1983 when the House of Extravaganza founder Hector Valley invited her to join the house. So in the documentary, she stated that he was the first gay I'd ever met. Um, on her 15th birthday, he took her to Greenwich Village and threw her a party and mm-hmm. bought her a cake. And, like, you know, she had just moved away from her family. She had no one. She's 15? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's 15. Okay. And this man's, like, taking her in. And she's like, okay. this is the first gay man I've ever met. And I'm accepted into this family okay. now. So later, Valley actually died of an AIDS-related complication. Oh, okay. Because this is this is 87. So this is, like, Fresh the epidemic. rise of the AIDS epidemic yeah. right now when all this is happening. So when he passed away in 85, Angie, Angie, or Angie Extravaganza assumed the role of house mother, and she took on the house of Extravaganza and made Venus, like, her drag daughter. Like, she was, like, the mother now. So at the time of filming Paris is Burning, Extravaganza was an aspiring model, and she really wanted her sex change. She wanted to fully feel like a woman woman and not have to feel embarrassed about her body um and yeah she said i want a change to make myself feel complete is what she said so angie extravaganza was a drag legend herself and took in venus and she gave her shelter food and taught her invaluable lessons about how to survive in new york city Mm -hmm. which you needed because gay people and trans people in the 80s in new york were not treated kindly so, a little bit about the background of the ball scene. So, Paris is Burning reveals Harlem balls, um, which were drag-centric events where participants would dress up and walk for trophies. Its intimate portrait of a culture that provided disenfranchised young people who were often black, Latino, transgender, or gay. Um, it was an opportunity to be whatever they wanted to be for a night, mm-hmm. where they weren't judged. Um Ambition was the buzzword. Here, the allure of costume, high fashion, status, and wealth combined to form an enveloping world of love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. So, there's a quote, and it says, You can become anything and do anything right here, right now. It won't be questioned. I came, I saw, I conquered. That's a ball. And that um, is said by Pepper LaBeja in the film. And um, so, she was the mother of the house of LaBeja. Mm-hmm. Who are mainly um, black trans queens. Okay. Or, or just um, drag queens. And this is highlighting the personal pride that ignited a community where sexuality, color, and class were erased. Balls also provided an escape from the terror of the AIDS crisis. Um, so Willie Ninja and Octavia St. Laurent, who were two of the subjects and also two of the house mothers, struggled with AIDS for several years and died in the early 40s. And their legacy lives on in the form of continued HIV awareness within the gay and trans community today. So I just wanted to read some quotes from the film because, like, I just, I love them and I thought they were important. So Pepper LaBeja, who was mother of the House of LaBeja, was one of the most well-known house mothers. And she said, I just rule it now with a soft glove. Mm -hmm. And so... The definition for ball, and it says, gay people gather under one roof and decide to have a competition amongst themselves. Okay. And that's what she's talking about. And then there's this other guy in there who's just kind of like, he's just going and like watching the events. Mm-hmm. Um, another gay man. And he says, it's like crossing into the looking glass in Wonderland. You go in there and you feel 100% right as being gay. Mm-hmm. Because it was like people being whoever they wanted to be. 
Um, and then Pepper goes on to say, many children, so the children were, like, in the houses. So they were all, like, the performers. They were okay. called children. Many children performing in these balls were homeless and living on the streets, but they would, she was saying, they would go through garbage and find something just to wear. Yeah. Because, like, if you could go there and feel accepted, it didn't matter if you didn't have any money or anywhere to live or no food mm-hmm. or you had AIDS. Like, you were accepted in your community, mm-hmm. and that was all that mattered. So... Some of the ball categories, I'm going to read these to you, are luscious body. Oh, So okay. if you had, like, if you were, like, Serving thick, body, yada, yada. you know, um, schoolboy or girl realness, where it looked like you were, like, cute, like, going to school, like, mm-hmm. this one guy's wearing, like, a Yale jacket. Um, pretty girl, which is, like, preppy. Mm-hmm. Town and country, oh which God. is, like, you know, Princess Anne, you know, riding horses. Um, executive realness. Which is where you go, and realness is, like, trying to fit into the straight community. Okay. So, there, she was saying, like, a lot of these, um, you know, young black kids who, like, couldn't get in a job as an executive because they were excluded mm-hmm. from that community could dress in executive wear. Okay. And went at the ball and see how good you could fit in to that community and, mm-hmm. and look like you were an executive. Okay. Walking down the street. And then there was high fashion, which, of course, is, like, showgirl, couture. glitter, couture. And then the first time you were performing, it was called Butch Queen, First Time in Drag at a Ball. Oh, my God. And that was just, like, whatever. Uh Like, you know. Um, So the idea of realness. um, And that is being able to pass as straight and go under the radar, um, like a real woman or a real man, whatever you were trying to be. Okay. And then there was femme realness, which was kind of what Venus was going for, which I'll talk about later because she was very petite and very tiny and had small features, so she could... Easily pass for a young woman. Okay. So, femme realness is, um, I think this is Pepper still talking, and it says, when you could get home with all your clothes intact, no blood, um, you knew you were serving femme realness because you wouldn't get beat up okay. trying to go home on the train, yeah. you know, and someone figures out you're a guy and, you know, it's a attacks hate crime and it. attacks yeah. you. So, I, I pulled this quote from the show Pose, which if you haven't watched it, you should, and the character Blanca says realness is being able to fit into the straight white world to embody the american dream but we don't have access to that dream and it's not because of ability trust me okay so it's very it has to do with class color sexuality so that's realness so venus herself and where she stands in all this so venus was known for her realness as in her ability to convincingly look like a biological woman okay her petite frame soft voice and youth all worked in her favor so she was very soft-spoken like mm-hmm. very pretty she was beautiful oh, like picture. gorgeous tiny girl yeah look at she's she's so tiny so skinny and this worked in her favor but just like many of the other children in these houses and performing at the these balls who came and moved from a household that didn't accept them, um, she also struggled to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. So in Paris's Burning, she hinted to her work as an escort, um, but avoided directly admitting that she was, like, a sex worker. So she was kind of, like, saying it, but not straightforward, because, like, it wasn't that surprising at the time. Like, that's what you did. You know, like if you couldn't hold a real job or were discriminated against for your sexual orientation... You would just do that, okay. Then, like, that's what you had to do Mm -hmm. to survive and to make money. And especially her, since she looked so much like a woman that, you know, straight men, you know, like, she could get away with doing that. She is so pretty. Yeah, she's beautiful. She looks like 
She was like, so outspoken, too. Like, she didn't give a shit, which She I looks love. like classic 80s girl. Mm-hmm. She looks like classic 80s rocker, where it's just the hair, the, the makeup. makeup, everything is super yes. classic. You would find her in a music video. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at the end, like, you see, she's, like, smoking by a boombox, like, yeah, in Harlem. Her, like, yeah. she was beautiful. Um, so this, this is what she would do to make money. And she refers to it as hustling um, and said that men like to lavish her with money and gifts um, just so that she would spend time with them. Um, and she stated that she wanted to live like a spoiled rich white girl because they got whatever they wanted. Oh, okay. So she's like, that's what I want. Yeah. And she's like in this documentary and she's like sitting on her bed and she's like, you know, like all I want is like a real life and a man mm-hmm. and I want to move somewhere warm like Florida and I want to get married in a church. I want to get married in white. Yeah. You know, I want to be treated like a real woman. I want my sex changed. Like she just wanted a normal life mm-hmm. as a woman. Like that's all she wanted. And, but she was also known as the queen of reading. So this is where (laughs) reading started. It came from the scene because there's like a whole section on it about Mm. reading and like the different ways you could read. Because if you were reading straight people who were being mean to you, it was one thing. But if you're reading other drag queens, you have to come up with something different because it's like, okay, we're both gay. We're both performing. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about how fucking ugly you are, how fat you are, you know, Mm -hmm. like things like that. So... One of the most iconic scenes in Paris is Burning is when the normally sweet Venus demonstrates how to read another queen. And she was like, oh, um, you want to talk, like, you want to talk about reading? And she was, she goes, you're just an overgrown orangutan. And I think Willem actually quoted her in an episode. I of think in B-Town. Yeah. Cause or he's, in B-Town, too, he said something. Yeah, he said, he, I think he quoted it and, like, said the, the same thing. But mm-hmm. she called, she says, you're an overgrown orangutan. You know what? She kind of reminds me of Willem a lot. I like think that's kind of what he was going for, that sort of, like, pretty, but, like, I am I can also be an asshole exactly. type thing. Yeah. Um, and then she goes, touch the skin, darling. Touch the skin, honey. Touch all of the skin, okay? You can't take it. You're just an overgrown orangutan. <laughs> she this said is really that. straight up Willem. Like, I was, like, straight. literally. And then um, she goes, you want to talk about reading? What's wrong with you, Pedro? You going from, through some sort of psychological change in your life? And then her friend is like, you want you went back to being a man? And then she's like, you went back to being a man, Pedro? Is that what you're going through? I was like... A gentle read. Oh, my God. I a loved gentle it. read for us. So she was a badass. She didn't give a shit. Um, and she did what she needed to do. So Angie Extravaganza, the house mother, often warned that Venus was too wild and that she wanted Venus to calm down and go out less and not meet so many johns because she was worried about her yeah in paris is burning venus does admit to being a sex worker in the past and she tells one disturbing story about being with a john who reacted violently when he discovered that she was biologically male and then she said that he said i'm going to kill you um, and then she says, like, you fucking faggot, you're going to give me AIDS. Because that was, like, oh, this was yeah. a big thing because everyone was terrified of getting AIDS at mm-hmm. this time. So it's like, oh, if you were gay, you automatically had AIDS. Yeah. If you're trans, you automatically have AIDS. Get the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. And it was just so bad. Um, and she says that he screamed at her and then she was like, I just had to jump out of the window to escape because I didn't know what else to do. She needed out the window. Goodbye. Right. So she had had one of those experiences yeah. already where someone's like, I want to kill you because like, oh, you deceived me. Yeah. You tricked me. And people still have this fucking mentality uh-huh. today. And it's terrifying. It doesn't matter what your genitals look like. Right. If you are a woman, you are a woman. Yeah. Like it's, 
I hate when people do that where they're like, oh, you're tricking people. Like, when they comment on people who are trans, like, mm-hmm. their YouTube channels or whatever, like, yeah. you're tricking people. And it's like, no, she's actually and just And it's like, a woman. you know what? Then just admit that you're attracted to them. Uh-huh. And that people are beautiful as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, the AIDS crisis was in full swing um, as this documentary was filmed in the late 80s and would come to touch many of the lives that we see in the movie. Um, so today, by contrast, we have medications um, that are still aren't universally, universally affordable but can suppress the disease to the point of it being undetectable in the blood. Yeah. And um, even that progress has a silver lining, and it says black and Latino men still account for a disproportionate number of the diagnosis. So, yeah. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. So it's like even like even today, like you also see that connect with like it being in that community as well and people having that um oppressive attitude okay. towards that community. So today the language of drag has been mainstreamed to the point where its origin of all culture has been almost completely obscured. Yeah. So it's just changed so much since since then too. So I'm gonna get into her actual murder now. So on Christmas Day in nineteen eighty eight Venus Extravaganza was found strangled under a bed at the Duchess Hotel in New York. It was estimated that her body had been there for four days upon discovery. So the shooting for Paris' burning was ongoing, and the film's final minutes include Angie Extravaganza reacting to her death. Mm -hmm. So you go through this whole documentary, and at the end you find out that Venus has died. And in the documentary, Angie is the first person detectives approached with the news of her death. And Angie was the one who had to break it to Venus's biological parents yeah. that their daughter was killed. And it was just so sad because Angie's like, you know, like, I tried to warn her. Like, I was very protective of her. Um, <clears throat> and she was like, you know, detectives came to me with a picture of her body to identify it because yeah. they were going to cremate it because she had no one. Yeah. She had no family. So, like, they couldn't really, like, do identify, anything about it. Yeah. But it was also that, like, the police kind of didn't really, like, give a shit about it. They were like, oh, can you just imagine, like... Someone you love, and then, like, the police coming to you and being like, here's this body, do you, mm-hmm. do you know it, you know? And, like, I just can't imagine, like, what she had to go through Or having that. that much disrespect for a body to just be like, mm, well, okay, cremate it. Like, and I mean, maybe right. that was a process at the time, but it's still, like, can you show her a picture of just, like, the face of this? Like, right. can you find some other way of being, like, instead of just approaching someone and being like, oh, here you go. Right. Like, you know? Well, and then also... To them, she was just another hustler. Exactly. She was just another trans hustler who was, you know, being a sex worker, trying yeah. to make money, and she got killed. You know, it's not their problem. You know, like, that was their mindset mm-hmm. of, like, well, it's just another one. We're going to get another one the next day yeah. anyway. So, you know, it was very, you know, they were thrown away easily. Yeah. It, it didn't matter. Trans lives didn't, didn't, no one gave a shit. Yeah. So, drag performers who resorted to hustling lived in this incredibly dangerous world. Um, they did what they had to do in order to stay alive. And as Dorian Corey, who is another drag performer in the documentary, put it, everyone has to work whether legal or otherwise. And that's just how it was mm-hmm. to make money. To this day, the murder of Venus Extravaganza remains unsolved. Many allege that the NYPD was indifferent about her death because she was a trans woman and a yeah. hustler. Many still hold out hope that one day the truth will be uncovered about who killed Venus Extravaganza. In the meantime, she will always be remembered as a beautiful drag legend. 
Her killer was never found, but she was buried at Holy Cross Cemetery in North Arlington, New Jersey, because she's from New Jersey. And it's just, like, it's so sad that, like, that happens so often that it that was, like, a normal thing. And it was probably someone... every day for them. Right. It was, you know, it was probably, like they said, you know, a guy that she was doing sex work for, and he realized that she was trans and flipped the fuck out and strangled her. Or maybe it even was a cop. And they were trying to cover it up, you know, because, like, no matter if you're a cop or you're, you know, you're working at a restaurant, like, whatever, like, it was a time where everyone was kind of doing that Mm -hmm. or, you know, trying to hide things from their families if you were considered, like, a straight male and you didn't want anyone to find out, you know, and maybe, like, people are trying to cover up because it's not the first time in history that that's happened. And the thing is, too... I love Trixie and Katya, and, like, they talk about the fact that when you're in drag, you're selling this illusion to people. Mm-hmm. So it could be that a man went there with the intention of, like, oh, I'm I'm still straight because mm-hmm. I'm, this is, like, you know, she's dressed up like a woman and this and this and this, yeah. and then maybe had a freakout moment and mm-hmm. just flipped on a dime and right. just flashed out on her. Or maybe like, she said she was going to leave or, like, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, I'm going to tell somebody. Yeah. Like, maybe threatened him or something mm-hmm. and... Yeah, because she was supposed, I think, like, supposed to meet friends for lunch that day. Because oh, it was, like, yeah. a morning thing. Yeah. And then she never showed up. And that's when they found her in the hotel room. But along with that, I just wanted to talk about a little bit, because I feel like it goes along with it, is the statistics of violence against trans individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, major trigger warning for this, obviously. Yeah, we'll put a trigger. We have to put a trigger warning. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll do it at the beginning, too. So... In 2018, advocates tracked at least 26 deaths of at least um, transgender or gender nonconforming people in the U.S. due to fatal violence, the majority of whom were black transgender women. Mm-hmm. These victims were killed by acquaintances, partners, and strangers, some of whom have been arrested and charged, while others have yet to be identified, just like Venus's killer. Some of these cases involve clear anti-transgender bias. In others, the victim's transgender status may have been put at risk in other ways, such as forcing them into unemployment, poverty, homelessness, and or survival for sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, in 2019, there have already been at least 24 transgender or gender non-conforming people fatally shot or killed by other violent means. Um, they say at least... Because too often these stories go unreported and misreported. And then there were also two violent deaths of two African-American trans women in Dallas. um, And that brought national attention to this epidemic of trans people being killed for being trans. Especially trans people of color. Yes. And it's an epidemic that is just disproportionately affects trans women of color. Um, And it said, police are concerned about the back-to-back deaths of two trans women in the same community and have reached out to the FBI for assistance to the investigation. It's like, but this this has been going on for so mm-hmm. long, you know? And these murders are a disturbing pattern, and, and it says at least 22 transgender people have been killed in the United States since, like I said, since the beginning of 2018, and 82% of them were women of, women, I can't talk, women of color. 64% were under the age of 35, Jeez. and 55% lived in the South. Yeah. So it's just, like, you have this, and especially with the way things are today, too, and people don't want to go out and learn about these things, and it's like, well, I was raised this way, and these people are different, and I can't accept them, 
and I think like it's like you know you get to this point where it's like how can I prevent this and honestly the best way to do that is to be an ally and when you see something or when you see someone treating someone like shit or even like if you have like an inkling of what's happening report it Mm -hmm. report it to the police report it somewhere to an authority figure to an authority figure um because you never know what could help people not even, I mean, because even, it's even hard, you know, saying report it to the police because... You don't know how it's going to be taken. Y- y- you have a lot of people in authority like that who also don't like trans people. Yeah. And sometimes become police officers because they don't like trans people. Yeah. They don't like black people. They don't like people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're in that position of power because they don't give a shit about those people, you know? This is not to say that, like, oh, we're like, oh, my God, fuck cops. All cops are bad. But I think to a degree, there is a lot of information and a lot of training that needs to happen for police officers in terms of... Well, especially with trans people, Especially with trans people, people with disabilities, people, like, all of that, like, not to say sensitivity training, but Mm -hmm. that training beyond what is required is desperately needed in this country. Yeah. Where it's, like... You have people who are trans people being put into prison and they're put into the wrong like type of prison. You're put into a men's prison when you really are a woman. Like all of these things, you don't have access right. to these things. So there's a vast misunderstanding of needed resources in our system. Yeah. And yeah, also, you know, we're very aware that we're coming, you know, we're two white we're, girls are very doing this podcast and you know, I I can't even say that, you know, not all cops or whatever, because you know what? I have an experience things like that. And you know what? I have family members who are cops who are racist mm-hmm. and who are homophobic and mm-hmm. transphobic. And it's like, you know what? Like, it's, it, I don't want to say like, oh, it's, it, it's too much. I can't talk about it. You know, people might be offended, whatever. It's like, you know what? Fuck that. Because yeah. too many lives are at stake to be like worried about that shit anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, you know, even if you don't need to call, you know, the police or whatever, just be supportive of people in your community Mm -hmm. and make sure you're watching out for people or, you know, just letting someone know something or giving a tip or donating to houses Mm -hmm. where, um, a lot of trans and gay youth stay who are homeless, you don't have homes, you know, donating money, food, things like that. Look up time, time. look up stuff in your area. Be kind to people, Mm -hmm. be fucking kind to people. It doesn't take that much, you know, and just be aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. And I just wanted to talk about her death, even though um, there's not a lot of information that goes into her actual murder of, like, what happened. Because there is no information. Mm-hmm. Because nothing was taken into account. Because it didn't matter to them, well, you know? This is still, like, I mean, this is still an epidemic in our country. And the thing is, like, for me, this is a personal issue because mm-hmm. I have a nephew who is trans Mm -hmm. and so i mean you hear and my nephew is extremely privileged like the amount of access he gets resources to the amount of things he has access to are like incredible Mm -hmm. and his story to know that his story is not everyone else's story is like heart-wrenching for me because you hear stories like this where it's like people don't have access to the kind of resources they don't have access to the kind of mental health and medication and everything that he has access to so you have people in this country who are dealing with all this and on top of it you have an entire system mm-hmm. who's biased against you and people don't want to like you said like people don't want to look at this issue people mm-hmm. want to be like oh my god forget it this right. person is different from me and i don't it has care. nothing to do with me it has I don't nothing care. to do with me i don't care and i or 
I, or I, this is what I think happens a lot. It's like, I don't get what the big deal is. Oh mm-hmm. my God, why does everyone have to have this? Why does everyone have to right. be this label? Why does everyone, like, why, or why all of a sudden is everyone so, why is everyone trans? And I'm like, well. It's like, why are you straight? Why are you straight? <laughs> like, like, what is, or why are you, why do you think you have to conform to your gender? Like, mm-hmm. all of that. And so I think this conversation is kind of important because more of these conversations that you and I are having need to happen on mm-hmm. a worldwide scale where it's like, we need to have uncomfortable conversations with people and not come at it combatively. Like, right. even if you and I have different opinions on things, like, I'm not coming at it combatively. When I try to explain things about my nephew to someone who maybe isn't educated and mm-hmm. who is biased against him automatically, yeah. I try to explain to them, like, listen, this is this is a person who is close to me and, like, let me explain to you what this is like. And I think a lot of a lot of things get solved that way for me like not to say like oh my god just talk it out with people but I think that those conversations need to happen where it's like people who are allies and don't have that struggle have those conversations Mm -hmm. with people and try to be that like even on a little small baby scale like try to have that amount of kindness to have that conversation with people who don't understand or who are bullies or whatever especially if you have that privilege and you're able to talk about it yeah like I'm extremely privileged to have that opportunity to be like you know, I'm not trans, but I mm. do have a nephew who is trans. So mm. I get to be privileged enough to have an opportunity and to have an experience where I'm like, oh, okay, let me try to advocate for somebody and right. have that actual conversation that I'm allowed to have as a privileged white woman. Exactly. And yeah, it's just, it's just so sad, but it was the, I know last year was the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. and I just thought Venus was such like an iconic figure and just Venus. so amazing so if you have the opportunity please watch paris is burning it's on netflix and also watch pose and um you know i would just like to give a shout out to venus extravaganza for being real and for being able to read and Mm -hmm. throw shade like a fucking badass Mm -hmm. so rest in peace rest in peace angel um thank you for listening guys i know this was kind of a long and heavy it is heavy but you know what it's the end of 2019 and 2019 was quite a heavy year with a lot mm-hmm. of things. And I think it's important to end it this way. And, you know, because we don't do stuff like this every week where it's, you know, a lot and it's sad and um, kind of traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but this also is a true crime podcast. And sometimes it's not, you know, comedy doesn't always need to be involved. It can be when we're talking about Mary standing on a church roof. Mm-hmm. That's different. But we really want to thank you guys for supporting us in the last year. I know we just started over the summer, but in these past few months, like, we've just gotten so much support and even comments on our Apple podcast or um, seeing how many listeners we have Mm -hmm. or seeing how many people from all these countries listening to this podcast. And it's just so great. Um, So just a reminder that if anyone ever wants to send us an email with personal stories or stuff you want us to read on the podcast... Send us an email or to... Or even stuff you don't want stuff you, us to read on the podcast. Even stuff you don't... You don't get... You know, tell us your family secrets. We won't tell anyone. We don't have any friends. I won't tell friends. a single person. I have no we have friends. no one. I will tell my cat all of your secrets and he exactly. will say not one word. It'll be fine. And send that to mostexcellentpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Listen to us on whatever streaming service. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yes, Stitcher. follow us on Instagram at mostexcellent. Yeah, do that. Because Danielle, Danielle needs is running it, and she needs the Instagram followers. We I gotta need do it. The Follow us. Follow us. Follow um, us. But uh, by the time we post this, it will probably already be twenty twenty. Twenty twenty, and it's very exciting. Everyone, the motto of this year is that we have to make Jay Gatsby proud. Okay, do not no, waste not. his year. That's not the fucking motto. <laughs> that's not it. Make Jay Gatsby proud. <laughs> that's not how bring, we're gonna end this bring podcast. Bring back the dead corpse of Jay Gatsby. <laughs>
Oh, well, let me let me write to um Nick Haraway and see if he knows. Nick Haraway, can you give me the dead body of Nick Gatsby? What and the hell on, is his name? Jay Gatsby. And on Nick Gatsby. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Have a great new year, and we will see y'all in next 2020. year in twenty twenty. Bye. Bye.